Kiora and welcome everybody to this month's book club episode of the Comics Pals. This month, we're headed to the Down Unders Down Under, <laughs> to the magical island country of New Zealand, to talk about Hicksville by the native Kiwi himself, Dylan Horrocks. Is that a real country? I was there. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> that was only, I thought it only existed in make-believe. Phil, where, where no. were you all season three through four? <laughs> I'm working myself into a coma. <laughs> well, from the pictures that you've shared with us, Kale, it seems like a lovely country. It's incredible. Does that mean we're going to do a haka today? Oh, man. <laughs> I w- man, is that in the glossary? I wish I could do a haka. <laughs> a haka is uh, it's a Maori tribal uh, like uh, attack, a chant, uh, battle cry yeah. thing. Yeah, um, Jason Momoa did one, I think, at Aquaman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's crazy. It's awesome it's, uh, how they would intimidate uh, adversaries before war, and, and now yeah. rugby and soccer teams do it before matches. Uh huh. Um, sadly, I'm just a shitty American and I can't do a haka. So, anyway, we'll talk about the dumb book. <laughs> Hicksville. <laughs> Hicksville is a graphic novel published by Drawn and Quarterly. Uh, it was published in 2001 and reprinted in 2010, and that's the version we have. It was originally published in issues of Pickle from Black Eye Comics from 1993 to 1996 before it was finally finally collected in 1998. It's an autobiographical comic with fictionalized elements about the comics industry. It follows an American comics journalist on the hunt for the origins of a superstar creator who doesn't speak of his past and the magical town he comes from or the dark secret he took from it. The Cal Ward story. Right? Oh, man. I wish. God. Uh, all right, so let's get started quickly. How did you guys like the book? I liked it. <laughs> That's my quick answer. <laughs> yeah, uh, same. I, I, I enjoyed it. I think while I was like maybe a quarter of the way through, I was kind of like not sure where I was going and wasn't sure how much I would enjoy it. But by the end of it, 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 it paid off pretty well. I did yeah, not there- like it. Um, oh, good. I knew yeah. you. Oh, I knew you yeah. wouldn't. Oh, I knew you wouldn't. Um, I did not like it. In fact, you almost didn't show up to this recording, and I was like, "Yes, <laughs> that's mean." But okay. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Pete. Um, I I liked it. I didn't love it. That's fair. Uh, Sean, do you want to elaborate or? Uh, no. We'll we'll, we'll get into it. You did so okay. quickly. Cool. Great. I love it. Um, now, just for a little fun and a little cultural experience, I want to show you guys an ad from Air New Zealand on the what? Uh, Kiwi accent. Oh, boy. Oh, is that what we were supposed to read all the dialogue? Yeah. Share computer sound. There we go. Maximize. All right, here we go. Mmm. May one tealingling. Yauting Mama Dua. Santa Claus. The Christmas time. A teddy bear for Ling Ling from Shanghai. Oh. <laughs> You're good. Really good. I mean, that was. Oh. <laughs> 
clock has switched to new. This seems ominous. <laughs> kind of, kind of think I know where it's going. Is this a dig? <laughs> Hello, Santa speaking. Hi, Santa. It's Adam. Hello, Adam. And what would you like for Christmas? I want a new beard. <laughs> Just to get this clear, you'd like a new beard. Uh, okay, Edim. Remember to be nice. A new beard for Edim. Santa speaking. A puggy bank. Right, Tum. A puggy bank for Tum. How are we watching? Santa speaking. <laughs> Hello, Bin. A biscuit ball for Bin. A what sort of plane? An ear plane for Windy. Huh? A book of <laughs> magic trucks. Sounds like a good read. Huh? A bug screen TV. All right. What the father Christmas is going on here? Hmm? Kids want bikes and tents and fidget spinners. Not airplanes. <laughs> He's like an airplane. It's happened again. Not airplanes. I know who can help. Kira. Oh, uh, we seem to be having some trouble with the Kiwi accent. <laughs> Understanding Kiwi is easy as. A's are E's, E's are I's, I's are U's, and O's are O's. O's are always O's, and U's are usually U's, but U's could also mean like all of U's. Like, how come yous don't understand what I'm saying? So it's not a bug screen TV. Basketball, <laughs> not biscuitball. And piggy bank, not puggy bank. Book of magic tricks, not book of magic trucks. <laughs> well, I've never. Maybe we'll take care of the calls and these presents. Do you mind if I take this home? Oh, that's good. It's growing on me. I kind of like the new versions of the toys. The Pugsy yeah. Bank? The Pug Piggy Bank? I like it. I feel like the Puggy Bank is a probably actually uh, an improvement. <laughs> Good timing, since this is our holiday book club, Kale. It's after our holiday book club. That's what I know. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Grab a can of L&P, your pack of Tim Tams, and a Lamington. Think about Santa Claus surfing around in board shorts. <laughs> And let's get this episode going easy as. But first, don't forget to like, subscribe, follow us on all your social media platforms. If you're on YouTube, leave us a comment and tell us how great that commercial is. Hit that bell uh, to get a notification every time we upload an episode. Join the Discord for all sorts of incredible discussion on our book clubs, including the great one we've had over the past month about our last episode, Kingdom Come. And if you've got opinions or want to talk to us directly, don't forget to write us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. I feel like giving you a standing O right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. O's, O's are used. Oh, so every, everybody, oh, great question. Um, so I uh, don't quite know where I want to start with this. <sighs> All right. Uh, because. Where was that standing O? <laughs> it's a, listen, I told you this was going to be the worst one. Um, I, so 
I didn't ask if you guys had read Hicksville before because, frankly, I knew you hadn't. Uh, The first time I read it was in 20... It would have been 2014. I did happen about it. Happened upon it. A friend had it. A friend had it uh, while I was doing my uh, master's program at school. And what is interesting to me on this second and third read that I've done for this book club uh, is that in 2014... I really enjoyed this book and it really it I felt very at home with this book at home in Hicksville as it were uh but now uh I find it kind of annoying yeah interesting uh I still like the book I still like what it has to put out but uh you know and and the the overall idea that it has um but I I actually find most of it to kind of be what I find annoying about comics now in 2020. So what changed? What 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 do you what do you ascribe to 2020 comics that you didn't feel like was there in 2014 in your reading experience? Well, I think in 2014 it was that I was nose deep in comic scholar uh, in in comic scholarly activities, right? So I was studying stuff like the Yellow Kid and Sergio Ojones and uh, you know, uh, fucking what's the what's the other crazy the rare bit fiend? Uh, but now as as the book name drops Jack Kirby on every other page and people get in a fight about uh, uh, Sergio Arjones and uh, uh, whoever else the fuck. Uh, I, I found it really abrasive. So can you remind me again why you didn't want me here? <laughs> <laughs> Makes no fucking sense. <laughs> usual attitude really no that's fair yeah you generally don't want me around I can leave but um, yeah I completely agree with you so okay cool I I want you to expound on that so like what about it what about it feels abrasive to you and Sean why don't why don't you jump in like what what about it rubbed you the wrong way this book is it, it represents everything that I don't like about the 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 group of fans of comics who think that mainstream comics are bad and they're for you know horny teens and there's no merit to them it it comes across as very snotty and uppity and i feel like that about a lot of that group of the audience that likes comics um and it 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 thinks it's really clever and it takes a lot of pride in how much how many times it can tell you the names of creators that you might not know or beat you over the head with how great Jack Kirby was and how wronged he was by Marvel um you know it feels as if this the main the uh what's his name uh the bad guy burger Burger, right? Yeah, Dick Burger. Dick Burger. Dick Burger. Dick Burger. It feels like he's like a 
I don't know if this is what the creator intended, but it feels like he's like a Stan Lee stand-in. Um, even though Stan Lee is also in the book. Hmm. And it just kind of like has a distaste in general for mainstream books. Um, when frankly, the book itself is not very good. I thought that was pretty funny. Interesting. <laughs> so like, I think to the point about like how it name drops, I think for me that felt more like a a lack of historical knowledge for comics that were comics before even Marvel DC before they were even before they even were a, a Marvel or DC like there's there's a whole plethora of comics there that I'm not familiar with and this sort of exposes it to me and like I like I I enjoyed the book because from here I I jotted down things like the Yellow Kid I jotted down you know Sergio or Sergio Aragonés right like I I I wrote these mm. names down because I'm like oh well I obviously have so much more reading to do in this that I can't say that it was being pretentious necessarily about the names that it's dropping because those aren't names that I'm, I'm familiar with or comics that I know and things that I've experienced that um, like the yellow kid apparently was cause I, I, I ended up reading about like a little bit more about it, but like it, it came about that that's where some of the more modern word balloons came about from the yellow kid, like the usage of that, from a, a political cartoon standpoint versus it being a newspaper comic where like, was it uh, Jacob P Edgar? He was really big in Sunday articles. And like th- there was, I, I don't know that, I guess I would disagree that it was being pretentious more so that I didn't realize how much more I didn't know outside of things that I typically follow or things that I would typically read. Like it's not, underground comics it's not all comics it's literally comics history from before um before a larger explosion of magazine comics which are comics themselves and 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 that i don't know that i can deny yeah yeah i think that's fair and perhaps the the book is pretentious i can't disagree with that it attempts to um rub elbows with a you know, you know, the elites of comics, which is mm-hmm. itself a silly kind of oxymoron. <laughs> but Jack Kirby uh, never told any superhero stories, of course. That's right. <laughs> um, but it's a, it's a, you know, it's a book that juxtaposes two things that I kind of was interested in. It it was trying to juxtapose like that kind of upper rung comic book elite circle. Uh, I also was trying to figure out who Dick Berger was. I was on, I, actually, I was trying to figure out if he was supposed to be like Grant Morrison or something. Mm. Like from, from like the nineties. I think, uh, and this is just from the, uh, the Wikipedia article, but I think the idea is just, he's, his career trajectory is just kind of supposed to represent like the, the nineties image. Boom. Yeah, that's fair. And he, he, Burger ignores a call from McFarlane at one point, so like he could be like a honestly at one he's point, all I mean, over, multiple times. He's, yeah, he's yeah. constantly on the phone with McFarlane. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, yeah. He's, he, McFarlane is like a good example because like Spawn blew up in the nineties and you had movie, a movie and everything. So you know, point taken. Uh, but then it juxtaposes it with being from a small town and being kind of ashamed of it. And if I'm not mistaken, I want to say McFarlane is from like Edmonton or something. 
in Alberta, Canada, which is like a small as small of a town as it gets. I hope I'm not wrong about that. But uh, I kind of liked what it was going for with that town where everyone is comic literate. Everyone is uh, aware and likes comics of a different kind. And I felt like that that was attempted to be like a microcosm of the comic book community at large. Like this, this course, like Sean, you talk about the like snootiness of certain comic book fans that represent a chunk of the community. Well, those types of people are in this town. You know what I mean? Uh, like when you interact with people that enjoy comic books as like a medium, uh, outside of the comic spells, like you're going to come up on all different types of people that like different kinds of books. And it makes, discourse interesting because you guys like like we will like the same art form but we don't see eye to eye in the books or whatever you know so um the things the book tackled i was interested in i i was i was i wanted to read but one thing i found myself uh one way i found myself distanced from it is you know like rewind eight years ago or so I would want to read a book like this in an effort to be smarter than I really am or something whereas I can step back in 2020 and read something like this even if I don't understand what the author was going for or even if I did and I wasn't impressed I can take for what it was yeah I would say I'm pretty aligned with with Phil um, where I got something out of it I just I, I felt like it left a lot to be desired. Um, I I definitely feel like it does have a bit of an air of pretension about it, but it didn't necessarily. That didn't bother me as much as um, some of the more technical things about it that didn't work for me. Mm. I thought the, the the pacing of the story was off, um, because I would say that uh, the point that Phil made about being interested in the themes it's engaging in, um, that was very much how I felt. I remember, like, particularly in the beginning of the book, I felt myself getting in a, in a rhythm with it and being, like, very interested in kind of, like, the, you know, what the mystery, right? Like, what did Dick Berger do? And why don't the people of this town want to talk about it? And, you know, like, starting to craft my theories and getting interested in some of those things. But I, I the book lost me the more... I kept up with it because I think what I found was that the answers to those questions weren't always interesting or as engaging as I thought they could be, or um, sometimes weren't even necessarily like explored, you know, um, in, in any meaningful way. And I think what, what frustrated me the most was how much it spoke to you as if you were someone who lived in this small town and knows everyone. Um, because mm. I think I, I liked the small town element of it, but I felt like it didn't do a good job of fleshing out the cast and their relationship to one another well enough, because I think that there are like a lot of emotional beats or like moments that I think are supposed to feel like moments that I sometimes struggled to connect with because I didn't necessarily understand who the characters were. You know, and it's like, I, I recognize that this is that same person I saw earlier, but like, and I know that these people have a relationship, but I don't quite understand the dynamic at play. And I don't think that's be for, from a lack of, um, you know, me as a reader, you know, like I'm willing to do a, a good amount of work to like 
put pieces together and I was able to follow it, but like it felt like a lot of a lot of setup that I was interested in that ultimately didn't get somewhere that felt super satisfying. That's interesting because I felt like the characters, I felt like we were dropped in a moment of time for the characters. Like I didn't, I felt like I didn't need to know the depths of their relationship or whatever. Like we were given mm. moments, fleeting moments, and I felt like that was enough exposition to explain I, I don't why know. people behaved the way they did or whatever. I think that that generally isn't a problem for me, but when it's a story about a small town and an outside, like a journalist, especially who's an outsider coming in to, you know, try to put the pieces together and form this narrative, like it, it presents things that have history that are not really relevant, you know? And it's like, if you're going to give me any of that, I kind of want to know something about it or feel something about it rather than, you know, waste that space. Because, like, the example that um, comes to mind is, like, you know, you have um, – I can't remember her name if somebody could remind Grace. me. The, Grace and, and, Grace, and right. Like, Grace – yeah, Grace is presented, like, almost like a second main character in the beginning. And, like, she really is not very relevant to the story. And, like, she has this relationship with Denton and, like, his child and – you know, and like, there's all this stuff there, and it just doesn't really amount to anything. And it, if it's not going to, why include it at all? I think it's. I think you're meant to kind of project onto it a little. You know, like it's supposed to be like project your own small town experience on it. You know, a grace or something like that. And, and like and th- in real life, these things don't necessarily pay off in a narrative kind of way. You know, and I, I respect that. Like, I, I get what you're saying, and, and I think that that probably is the intention, but I feel like I was both given both too much and not enough. Gotcha. Yeah, I think I would agree with you if it weren't for the fact that the – like, we go away to spend time with Grace. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, we follow her on her career outside of Hicksville to Cornucopia right. or whatever. Why? To learn <laughs> – Nothing. And, and and like comics are good. I don't I don't know. <laughs> and like when they do that with the um, you know the stuff with uh, and again I'm I can't remember the name of the other character the the other cartoonist who Sam, Sam. Sam thank you um, the stuff between Sam and Dick like that is a diversion that informs the main through line of the story which is the mystery around Dick Berger. Yeah, let's let's talk about that technique because so it happens with Sam specifically. It happens twice. Uh, we follow uh, Sam uh, and his career as a, a cartoonist doing uh, uh, Moxie and Toxie uh, for Laughs Magazine, and then he does his own uh, short. Well, short. Wolf. I wish wish it was short. Uh, short zine in uh, uh, that he made himself where he talks about his experience going to LA to work for Dick Berger. Um, I found that that ground the story to a, the first one was okay. The second one ground the story to a halt for me. Why do you feel that way? Uh, it, it felt like a... It, as much as I, I think it didn't give enough. Okay. Um, it showed who Dick Berger was, 
but it I don't know it, it was lacking like it didn't show who he was before I think uh, I think it well for me I feel like it gave me a good view into who Dick Berger was but at the same time it was for me it felt like it was supposed to make Sam a sympathetic character but to Pete's point on like how certain things didn't follow through like that doesn't go anywhere necessarily like i I was assuming he was going to end up with a relationship with grace and that's why she was back and like those things would have made to to pete's point would have been enough information on sam's part plus on grace's part to have made the that interaction more valuable from a narrative perspective um i i thought that that interjection with sam's story was was good it was really good it was it was strong up until the end where it didn't it didn't manifest yeah what i kind of likened it to while i was reading it was great gatsby right where like uh gatsby is kind of like dick Berger. he's like this mystery man type person we don't really know his whole point and sam is like our our main character like um whatever the name of the protagonist in great gatsby is i don't remember his name uh is that toby mcguire um Probably. Yes, in the movie, it's to <laughs> um, okay. And in that book, there's a payoff, obviously. It has a narrative payoff, and it's a societal statement. And, and this, to your point, um, the only thing it really leads to is is the revelation that Dick Berger is a fraud. Yeah, and and obviously the allusion to you know image and yeah and all that stuff and that, or like the corporate end of comics and how they affect the people uh, the, the people in the industry for wanting to create I I that was like my favorite part of the book yeah uh, I, I really enjoyed that part I connected with Sam he was the only character that I was able to really connect with which makes sense because he's the only character we really spent like a great amount of time with um, and seeing his struggles with the kind of books he wanted to do versus the kind of books that paid and stuff. I thought it was a microcosm of what the story is kind of about, but it didn't have mm. the, what I found to be like insane cynicism that the story generally had towards that, mm. um, which was something that I was frustrated by because of the way it was presented. Um, like, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with that concept that, you know, a lot of creators, end up telling the kinds of stories that they have to tell to make money versus the stories that they want to tell. Um, Mm. I don't think that that's a bad thing to talk about. And I was actually pleased with it the way that it was shown through Sam Um, and getting to see him in this, this big world of celebrity women and, you know, planes and, you know, all this craziness, big celebrations and him kind of feeling small in that. I thought that was, that was effective. Um, but I do tend to agree that it all of that was just in service to this one big question to which the answer, frankly, was not only telegraphed, but also not that interesting to begin with. The fact that Dick, you know, stole a story was not like that was very obvious. And who cares? Yeah. And I, what you're bringing up uh is kind of an example of what I was trying to allude to before about how the book kind of wants you to project yourself into it. And, you know, everyone reading it here, you know, great admirer of comic books and the comic book industry, 
who who among us can't place themselves in Sam's shoes when he's whisked away into Hollywood into like this you know giant comic book industry and like the the whimsy of it. But obviously, to Sean's point, the book is very cynical about the comic book industry. That's ultimately like you know as soon as the curtain is lifted, you know, the painting is you know melting and everything, mm. so to speak. Yeah, I I agree. Um with what Sean was saying where I definitely think this is probably the strongest part of the book for me because I, again, I, I thought the, the opening act um, was, was good enough at setting set pieces, you know, and I, I feel like this, this was really the meat of the story, you know, because um, again, to Sean's point, like that, th- that's the most time we spend with any character significantly. And, and I felt like that was where the real emotional meat of the story was. And based on, you know, the forward in the version that I have, I kind of felt like, you know, Sam was kind of like Dylan's insert character, you know? And, like, mm. I think, to me, that was the part that rung the most emotionally true. Um, yeah. With good reason, right? It feels like that's, you know, his story, more or less. Um, so I, I dug that, but I also think that it did a good job of um, – kind of continuing to thread the mystery narrative right of like because i i i definitely uh feel you know like it was telegraphed that dick was not really you know what he said he was you know and i thought it was pretty clear that he you know had plagiarized some work from one of the kids that he grew up with and you know whoever it was not sam but um so it was kind of a a different twist than that, but I very much figured that's where we were going, but kind of the way that you see that through Sam and how he kind of, you know, tries to pay him off and, you know, all this stuff and to kind of help him cement the lie. Um, I thought, I thought that was really the most intriguing part of the book. Yeah, definitely. And getting to see the way that, that, um, Burger treated people like how much of a douche he was but there was also this part of him that seemed to genuinely also like he wanted something from Sam but it also seemed like he kind of wanted to help him in a way that wasn't purely self-serving so it it, we knew he was a douche but it kind of humanized him in a little in a a way that you know not no like generally people aren't just pure pure bad like there were aspects of him that weren't that yeah and there was other humanizing elements of the character too like at the end when he's talking to like the comic book legend in new zealand as like a teenager or whatever and uh, you know the, the 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 famous creator is able to see right through uh, Dick in his work in like the the he's like you're a very serious young man and all this stuff um, like this is clearly a person who just wants to be admired and loved because as a kid no one admired and loved him and uh, he's got a real chip on his shoulder obviously like these there there are qualities to him that are humanizing it's just he ran too far with a lie so to speak yeah and I I um. I definitely got a sense uh, for what you were saying there, Sean, where like that I, I did kind of feel like he maybe even looked at like helping Sam as a way to kind of like, you know, 
ease his guilt a little bit, you know, and like redeem himself. Yeah, redeem himself in some way, like make amends in some way. Like, you know, he um there's that that last conversation they have where he gives him the check and everything and you know, you kind of see the veneer come back a little bit and he is like bargain, you know, saying like there are days where I wish I didn't do it, you know, and I think about who I would be and, you know, what I would be and you know, like it, it was worth it, but you know, he struggles with the fact that he, he says he's a good person. And I think it's clear he's not, right? Sure. But. Well, listen, yeah. if it wasn't for Dick Berger, Sam would have never met Cincinnati Walker, that bombshell movie starlet. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> Strong argument. I think- Marco, when you're rich and famous, make sure you take me to LA with you to rub elbows with these people. All the time. LA, San Diego, San Fran. Um, post COVID, I'll just obviously. I'll just take the twenty thousand dollars. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to go back to something that Phil said about how Dick wasn't loved, and how that obviously like it, it gets it gets explored in the in that issue of Pickle, like the issue within the issue. But I, to me, it felt like his his character was especially when he was like looked at by at the end by Mort Mort. Mortensen, the, yeah, yeah, the the creator, yeah. uh, at the end of the day, he wanted to be he wanted to be appreciated and loved, and and a lot of what the each of the chapters open up with are, are quotes, and specifically the quotes are related to creators and admiration, creators admiration and and money, and how those two, those things don't mm. don't mix. Mm. There's uh there's a quote from uh Will Eisner. That when somebody asked me what got me into comics, I could only think of one word, malnutrition, sure. right? Like there's uh, on chapter six, even more than money, an artist likes to be loved, Joe Simon. So he, he's balancing the how how he's receiving that admiration and love and respect with a paycheck. And, and that's a reality that gets explored in that issue that I think paints Dick Berger as like, sure he's an asshole he's a dick right but he's sympathetic because he's trying to find some sort of love in 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 somewhat of like a twisted way where he's he doesn't have the the skill to find it via his own angsty writing like the 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 stuff that he was creating that wasn't going to get him the the money and the paycheck so he had to sacrifice something in in this case his maybe personality and his uh, willingness to create something that he wants to in order to be able to make in order to make the money to be loved. And and that trade-off I think was really interesting for, for that character. And especially when it gets explored in, in that pickle issue. It's funny. Yeah, I, out of context, I, the pickle issue. <laughs> the pickle issue. <laughs> I, I did, I did like the way that it tried to engage with those themes, you know, like talking about, um, I don't know, I guess kind of like the dance between, you know, wanting to to make art for art's sake and to have integrity and to, you know, um, be only true to your vision and, and this, that, and the other thing or, or be a working artist, you know, and, and how those things can sometimes be um, at the expense of one another. But I did think that – I did think that some of that got clumsy mm. and, and I think that that's where – um, I echo some of Sean's frustrations about I think some of its commentary because I think I'm with 
a lot of it. Like, I, I get what it's trying to say. And, you know, um, like, obviously, Dylan's experience was Dylan's experience. So, like, I, you know, if 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 that was how he felt working in, in you know, big comics or whatever and it really killing his enthusiasm for it, like, that's I'm not saying that that's not a story worth telling. Um, but I think that it kind of painted with a broad brush sometimes. And it would go mm. from making, like, solid criticism of of the business, you know, and then kind of, like, clumsily fall into something and say something else, you know. And it's like, I, I didn't think that all of those jabs, all of those, um, all of those criticisms were, were executed equally. It, it read real bitter to me. It, like, it really did. Mm-hmm. It came across as just being really bitter, like you can't possibly make money in comics and also tell the stories that are true to you. And, you know, look, here's a guy, you know, we've never heard of prior to right now talking about how bad the comics industry is because it forces you to write Batman stories all day or else languish in obscurity. And that's just not true. That's not a true statement. It could have been true for him, but the book projects that as being a fact because it doesn't show you any alternative. I don't. To him, there is no alternative, though. Obviously, like the word you keep using, Sean, I think really encapsulates the, the at least the experience of, of Sam or Dylan, whoever you want to, you know, ascribe it to, is this cynicism. And um, I. Uh, I, th- I wonder if that's why you don't feel the same way you did six years ago reading this, Kale. Is that I wonder if you feel mm. less patient with that level of cynicism in comic books? Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I and I think I think there is also a new level of cynicism that I've hit, but post Avengers Endgame, experience that in a book about the industry. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, is is like. I'm I, I'm tired of it, and I'm tired of being cynical about comics because I love comics. Why would I want to read a book about the cynicism of comics? Yeah, I, I think um, you know, and again, like I I don't <clears throat> I wasn't familiar with with Dylan's work before this, um, and like mm-hmm. I read the foreword to to, the, to this edition. Um, where he kind of contextualizes the book a little bit, and like you know, he he mentions how you know, he really hasn't like made comics um, in the last like ten years or whatever, however long it's been, um, and that he's kind of like out of it, you know. And like, I don't know, like I uh, I do think that that bitterness does come across in a way that. I'm not saying is invalid or anything like that necessarily, but I think like the fact that it does kind of position itself as less this was, you know, my experience or a experience versus being like, this is the experience. This is how it works, kids. Um, I think is where some of that, I don't know, I guess that attitude that is rubbing up against several of us, right? Um, some more than others. Uh, I think that's where that comes from, 
for me. And like, especially knowing that real world context and, and like kind of putting those pieces together of like, this really feels like, you know, his definitive statement on the biz as it were. Um, I don't know. And, and, and maybe it's, it's worth pointing out that like, this was written in the context of when he wrote it, not yes. the context now yeah. of what the industry looks sure. like and what kind of books can succeed and like what superhero comics were like then and yada 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 yada. So that's all that's all um worth pointing out, I guess. Yeah. Too. Yeah, this book is twenty years old and the reprint we're reading is ten. Well no more, so. right? It's like it's yeah, thirty. It's more it's than almost thirty, 30 years. Old. Yeah. You're you're asking for a level of, of objectivity from like a journalist or something. This is like a memoir of someone's personal experience. Those broad right. brushes that are being painted. Uh, to Sean's point, that that kind of comes from an embitterment. And the kind of thing I want to make a point of to defend him a little. And I want to make it clear that I, I I don't really seek out any kind of jaded cynicism in 2020 either, but. To, just to defend Dylan a little bit, we've all seen how you know just rugged life of a of a struggling comic book developer, you know, writer artist can be the the contrail and how you know difficult it can be. Like it takes some stern stuff to be able to stomach that lifestyle for a long period of time. I don't know how long Dylan even attempted it, you know, uh, you know this career or whatever, mm. but I can see how someone would leave it feeling jaded when they maybe had visions of grandeur or whatever. I think also, like, to, sure. to that, this book was, what, 90, I think, can you say 93? It uh, started and, in And, like, yeah. that's the, the beginning of the collapse of, like, the industry, right? Like, like that as a backdrop to this book, I think also sours the whole experience for, for him, right? Like, he, and the history of creators um especially older creators right not having the rights uh having to fight legal battles to get like you know royalties i think that that all culminates in in this bitterness and cynicism but uh i think for the for that time i think that's what probably i think it similar to like the concepts of the map right that that, that gets brought up and how that captures like location and time and space i think that that's what this is it's a point on on that map of capturing that emotion in in graphic novel format so okay i'm going to use that as sort of another discussion point uh so horrocks says uh and this was in a publisher's weekly interview uh quoted on uh, uh wikipedia he says it's a story about comics uh, their history and poetry. And it's also about what we New Zealanders call Turanga Weiwei, having a place to stand in the world, a kind of spiritual home. Hicksville is my way of creating such a home for comics. Uh, how do you guys feel about that? I, I, mean, I had I had no issue with that. Um, I thought... Go ahead. I, yeah. I kind of like that. I yeah. thought that 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 was actually a pretty cool concept. And yeah. that is what frustrated me so much about the book. I have like a like a like a whole thought process about this book. So I feel like it's a it, it makes sense to share it now. Cuz okay. it's a book that I could find myself having liked a lot. 
and it failed yeah. me. And I'm going to explain how. So it, 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 the first part of the book is that quote by Jack Kirby, comics will break your heart. And I feel like that is like that's the thesis statement that the creator went into the telling of this tale with. Yeah, but it's true. really sad because this comic could have actually been something that inspires and rejuvenates. But he himself is so focused on his own negative experience that he didn't even try to do something different. Because, like, the general concept of this place where comics are held sacred and everybody there is, like, has this great knowledge of their history and stuff and celebrates them, that's amazing. That's so cool. But it leaves out... The idea that all kinds of comics and all kinds of comics fans belong in that. They all hate, uh, the, the journalist, Leonard, right? Yeah. 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 They all hate him. And Leonard is kind of like a stand in for probably what would have been the average fan of comics at that particular point in time. Uh, you know, he's an American, probably loves the big two stuff. He's He's not American, but they, they believe he is. What? He's the reader of the book. He's he's the reader of a comic book of a of a generally probably a big two or an image comic book at that time, and they all shit on him mm. and shun him. I'm that guy. Mm. Why don't I have a place in Hicksville? The but, book. The, hold on. The book also you it, it references. It doesn't go heavy, but it references magic. There's a couple of references to magic, some kind of mysticism. I thought the book was going to actually go yeah. down that road. It didn't, yeah. but it, it, it seeds it. And I thought that was pretty cool because it's kind of like talking about how art is magic. Art is the closest thing that we can get to magic. You know, art persists through all time yeah. and and space. And, it, you know, it's it's if, if people or if, if aliens came to Earth after we're all gone, they could know us through our artwork. And it's really the only way they could know us. And that's beautiful. And I love that. I love the idea that, that art is magic. But you poison it when you're so cynical about it. And you alienate a certain group of people to uh, uproot or to, to celebrate another group of people. And I don't feel like you have to do that. I feel like you can you can celebrate a thing without demeaning something else. And it feels like this book never, ever stops doing that. There's magic in, in, in comics in general. And he's constantly deriding the idea of mainstream books. Uh, Burger's, the name of Burger's publishing company is Eternal Comics. His great sin is not just stealing the, the, the story, but changing the ending to make it so that it doesn't end. It allows for a sequel. That was his big sin. And that's a direct burn on mainstream books. The same mainstream books. That brought at least three of us, uh, myself, Phil, and and Pete, into the industry. Mm-hmm. That's not right. And that's where the magic gets sucked out of art and, in my opinion, gets sucked out of this book. And that's what hurt me about it. And that's why I didn't like it. Pete, Pete brought up technical elements. And all that was true. But I was down for the slice of life. I was down to live in Hicksville and learn about these people. Hmm. But it was the bitterness that that made me repulsed because I couldn't love it because it doesn't love me. And, and hmm. what it, it, re, it reminded me of something else too where like I, I'm, I'm not even necessarily like totally out on something that wants to do that. 
that wants to like really, really get in in the like weeds of why something that you like is you know is flawed in some way, right? Like, because that can lead to good stuff. Like, look at like Watchmen, right? Like, that's what that's about, right? Is let's take this thing and deconstruct it and evaluate the problems with it, right? When when held up to scrutiny, and I think that like it would be great if it if it could do that. But also, like, have some sense of, like, I don't know, positivity at all. Exactly. Like, even if it wasn't about comics, you know? Because, like, it reminds me of the conversation that Sam has with um, Terry. And she reads his comic and she's like, oh, it's kind of depressing, huh? The- you know? And it's like, yeah, it is. That's the book. Um- and, and, and fine. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. Like, I would have been really – I would have been more satisfied if the bo- if the end of the book was like, you know what? And like Dick Berger like is off and a millionaire and he's alone and sad and angry because that's kind of the takeaway from him, right? And Sam is like, I'm done with this. Like I don't – you know, I'm just going to – I'm going to just, you know, call Terry and keep drawing comics that I like doing because making art for its own sake is satisfying. And I think that's probably the implication of, like, how things end up, right? I guess, ideally. Mm. Um, But, Mm. like, I don't know. I think, like, a little bit more meditation on that would have been another thing to temper some some of the cynicism to a point where it doesn't, make you recoil a little bit, you know? Because I, I agree. I think it gets to a point where it's so cynical, but also so look at me, I'm look at all the things I know that it comes off as pretentious when I don't really think it's pretentious overall. I don't think that, like, I don't... I think, this like, the sum of it is less than some of the parts. So I... To respond to, to both Sean and Pete, I think... I, I felt that that analogy was being put forward until I got to Mrs. Hicks library and the end where there's a welcome back sign. And for me, mm. you're, you're put into, you're right. You're put into the position. You're supposed to fit in as like the comic reader, the average comic reader who comes in here and the, in, in the library, the first thing that he pulls out is that action comic. So you have a number one, you have an original, like this should be blowing your mind, right? And it, it, it doesn't. And it doesn't because it's a comic. There, there are other things outside of that that are going to also blow your mind. You can, you can pick those different elements. You can pick those different genres. And I think that what, we're we're set to expect through the course of him being at Hicksville and interacting with these people is that he's learning. He's learning about things that are outside of the purview that he's either always experienced or uh, American comics, right? Like is the big thing is that comics are conflated with superheroes. They're not a genre. They are comics and that disassociation isn't there. And here, that's all it is, is it is a genre. And when his worldview of this is like comics and it's separate from the comics that these that these people in Hicksville are talking about I think that instead and with that welcome back sign is when he comes back and decides to say is that they're bringing him back in saying like, no, no all of this is part of the medium 
you you need not need to but you can you can enjoy that and you can read that stuff but what about all this other stuff where there are things that you wouldn't do or you wouldn't experience if you only read uh european comics or if you only read manga or if you only read like indian comics right there there are so many things where you will not miss out but you won't get to experience and have this fuller larger sense of what the medium is about that it it, it changed my mind on on that on on the the representation of leonard and what the superhero comics represented what eclipse comics were like you you're right about that being the 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 sin but him coming back was well keep coming down this rabbit hole like there's more out here for you to see and for you to want to be able to want to read that's what i mean about leonard at least is he is our point of view character he's the outsider coming in and experiencing everything for the first time oftentimes in like fiction and stuff journalists are like intended to be like the truth seekers or whatever that like discover things so when sean was able to project himself on leonard because he's the casual comic book reader or whatever like i think that was indeed the point and i think as cynical as the book is by the end it seems like hicks will accept him like everyone apologizes for being rude to each other and stuff so i I feel like there is a little bit of amends making well, and, and that's my that's like the comic experience that I had right was I came in via a certain way but spun out into something else and and I think that at the beginning Mrs. Hicks is welcoming right she's she is the library she is the keeper of comic book knowledge and you come in and you pick out what you want and at some point you're going to run across something that is different and somebody who's a fan of it is be like that's good what you're reading is bad that's like whatever that's the comic book experience when you walk into a store or something right but it's a willingness to accept the other outside of what you're normalized or what you feel is regular to you feel free to correct me if i'm wrong but the the reason in story why they welcome him back and all that is because of what he did for them he went and got this um this copy of, of the book that um, Dick stole yeah. and promised to keep the secret. So it's not like it was because he had learned all these things that changed his worldview. He learned the truth of what really happened and went to right or wrong. That's not that's not the, that's not what you're saying, Marco, would be fine, but that's not really what happened. And so for that reason, it's it's not like the reason he's accepted is not because he's now this you know, open-minded comic readers because he did them a favor. Yeah, but if you're if you're also extrapolating that he represents American comics, then that needs to be extrapolated somehow thematically. And that the, the theme of welcoming him back isn't that he came back with this other book with the original story, which is something that was based on the history of of the that superhero comic, the Yellow Kid to the precursor of what modern balloons are, what. Um, was it there's a scene where like they're all in the shop and all of a sudden the art style changes and it's like with respect of or with respect to you know this this artist like it it's paying homage and thanking you for coming back to learn about this previous stuff and being like hey there's more like we're we're all cool now because we're sort of on the same page i don't know that seems like a deep read to me so um <clears throat> one thing that i think uh 
kind of gave me that sense that uh, to what Marco's saying is um, th- there's the point uh, at the end where Leonard is back and they're like, well, what are you going to do now? And he's like, I think I'm going to stay here and like explore the library and like read all these lost books, you know, and, and like um, yeah. see what's here. But they had and already I, I, welcomed him back. They well, they yeah. They threw the party for him because of what he did. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think that's wholly true, because I think this is the kind of town that, you know, they have a big costume party every Halloween, and they're all really super close, and you know they wanted Leonard to feel that, but they hated him. Uh, but he was still invited. But it was only because he dressed up like Dick Burger, and they have a gripe with him. Like no, we're just talking about, they, they didn't. No one liked him except Ms. Hicks. No, not that's not true. Sam was nice to him too. So Sam was nice to him, yeah. Oh. And the other, um, like the first guy yeah. that they meet, the mailman, he was he was totally nice until he's mentioned Dick Berger. He was wasn't he hated on by Grace? Wasn't he hated on by um, yeah, Danton? But I think it's just because Grace is mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and the first thing he does is mentions Dick Berger. Right. Yeah, I I definitely read it as though that the- I, I I think you're right, Sean, but I think it's I think it's both what you and Marco saying are true at the same time. Yeah, that that's what I was going to say where like I I um I don't necessarily disagree with the point you're making about like it being contingent on the fact that he did a thing for them and like is kind of like seeing the light makes it feel a lot less like an amends and like a welcoming into his point of view versus um what you said. I I do agree with that, but I I definitely got um, what Marco was saying in terms of him making the decision to stay there and being welcome to do that, whatever, but like specifically going to the library and, and expanding his, his knowledge, I felt like that was supposed to be representative of that point that Marco's making of like that kind of reader, you know, learning the history and kind of going beyond, you know, um, what's like known you know what what the mainstream stuff is mainstream stuff am i right yeah but like not but like that the mainstream still falls under the umbrella of the comics thing right and that segmentation of it or yeah that segmentation of it and the attitude around it is like the the damning part for both leonard and the people of, of hicksville what? Well, I don't even necessarily think it's the people of Hicksville altogether. I think the 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 person who gives him the most trouble about liking superheroes is Grace. That's just in general, though, right? Like she she is dismissive of yeah. comics in general. We all know Grace overall. Yeah, sure. My yeah. wife. Um, <laughs> Tam. Uh, <laughs> She's looking at him. Grace is uh, a jerk. For sure. Uh, she's my type. You know, she's my type too. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the art. Cool. Okay. <laughs> um, something I really liked about the art. Uh, so I noticed this when I first picked up the book. If you look at like the cross section of it, you have like the yeah. black and mm-hmm. then the white and the black. And I, I really liked uh, how it varied that and how it used specifically, like, the black gutters. Um, 
was something that like I don't know, it kind of played to the the small town theme for me. Like it it oh, it made so. the book feel cozier because like the black did. Yeah. What? Why is that? Cause, Interesting. Because like I don't know. Like when I look at this, like it looks like like a picture frame or something. Oh, okay. Interesting. It like it it feels like. I don't know. Like I guess it's because I'm so trained to think of the white space as nothing. You know, like as like the gutter is like the space between time. That's funny you, you should know? say all that because that's kind of referenced within the book. In what way? Okay, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll finish this point while you find find that. Um, so I don't know, like having that, having that. Um, that black frame, like it really, especially because there's no color, so all the backgrounds are white. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. It contextualized it in a weird way for me that that just it really worked. I found it to be really pleasing, um, and I'm struggling to articulate totally why, but coziness is like the word that that came to me. That's interesting because I, to me, it especially especially in the beginning. Uh, when we first see, like, well, uh, yeah, especially in the beginning, I think, I think the black works a lot more toward this cynicism that we've been talking about. I think it, it sort of, as opposed to the white, which is, you know, obviously it's, the white is something you can see. It's, it's something sort of, I don't know, concrete to a you know to a degree whereas the black made me feel closed in mm. and instead of cozy to me it feels um the claustrophobic uh cla- yeah claustrophobic um and that sort of reads to me as like <laughs> the depression of someone wow. who has trouble that's making comics um that's actually something i really liked at the beginning of the book was like showing the struggle of the creative process when you're Stumped or depressed. Yeah. That was all really mm-hmm. characterized mm-hmm. very well, I thought. Like, just those first ten pages alone. But, Pete, what I was kind of alluding to within the book was when they visited Emil Copen in Cornucopia. Uh, when he's talking, he first ta- starts talking about maps, and then he starts... He moves into uh, how panels are utilized, basically, in comics, between mm. lettering and uh, vocabulary and illustration. Which leads to another point about just spatial awareness and people in general. So it's just like the whole point he's trying to make is just basically about how space is utilized in real life and in illustration. Uh, and that feels like it's deliberately what's happening in this book, right? Like I feel like Dylan is trying to be mindful of his space. Now is he successful at that? It's another thing. But I feel like that was the intent. Hmm. Uh, by the way, yeah. that part of the book was great. I really liked it. Yeah, and and I think the way that they mentioned how it like it all is using like it's like using a language to do so. Like the that spatial awareness is the start of communication, and then the words sort of come on after mm-hmm. the fact. Like there's there's a there's a basis in understanding a body position, and then you can read what sort of happens or something and, and I think that that comes across a lot in uh, in the book where you can see a person's reaction before you or 
their their bodily position their there's some sort of reaction to something before you sort of see what is going on within the actual like narrative in the words um i like the transitions there there were a couple times where like on page uh what is this 76 like or rather 107 like right where we're about to start going into um pickle the the stars that second yeah. start of the comic like the stars start to come in mm. from the bottom and they're like they're like layered over so we sort of come in mm. from like our our world into the book because we're falling in like the stars and then um that motif is put out throughout the entire rest of that of that mini comic within the comic and then it ends by taking us out of that world with um more stars at the end of it and like we're like back into like our our realm we're sort of like escaping upward which i thought was really cool he does that a couple times where we're leaving the space or the realm of comics via some sort of like movement some sort of translation Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah it's a really cool framing device yeah and there's a lot of good stuff like that like I, i i do like some of the experimentation with like paneling and like you know like stuff like this you know where it's like there'll be like a lot of negative space on a page mm-hmm. to to like evoke a mood or a feeling like there's a lot of variety and there's a lot of like you know like like this is cool like it's cool that there's like a, a page that is just text here like this you know and like it doesn't feel like a crutch or a diversion you know it just feels like it's trying something um and i think it speaks to that that part of the book that phil was referencing um earlier about how you know you don't need to necessarily use all the pieces at all the times you know And, and i think it's like you know like i said at the top i like this book and i and i didn't love it and i think that's my biggest frustration with it is that I found a lot to really like, you know, there were a lot of things, a lot of moments that I thought were really well executed and, and I wish it. And then there was Moxie and Toxie. (laughs) Yeah. Moxie and Toxie were not my favorite. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, the, I, w- I like, I wish the whole thing came together to be something that I found a little bit more satisfying because I, like, I get why this spoke to you, uh, particularly at a younger time. You know, and and I mm. want to connect with it in that way, um, but it just never quite got me there to the point where like I think it's a book that'll really stick with me. I th- you know, I think I would have loved it like seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, maybe at a younger and more and and more cynical time. Yeah. Anything else? Any anything else on the art? I don't have a I don't have a, a any real additional comments just because this art style is not really my thing, but I don't I'm not going to criticize it for not being what I typically enjoy. So sure. I'll leave that to you guys. Yeah, at the the outside of like the the way that the people are represented, I think it's that thing that like Scott McCloud mentions where you know the the form of which you can like to what exact detail you can get something before it becomes not understandable or understandable mm. like I, I think that the way that the people mm-hmm. are represented um it's a character a caricature it's it, it's fun it's fun and then the backgrounds are always detailed the locations are always detailed that's uh, a nice contrast 
it's uh, it, it's funny because the beginning of the book makes me think it's just a, a simple memoir of a, a struggling creator, it's like a, a struggling cartoonist, if you will. Uh, it definitely turns into something bigger uh, than that, or you know, maybe a little unwieldy. But you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's a little more than just a simple memoir of a struggling cartoonist. But the 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 art is truly that of a cartoonist. I mean, the character himself was employed as a cartoonist for, you know, a magazine company and stuff like that. Like, this is cartoonist art, and um, it looks fine. Very, very uh, representative of a lot of uh, uh, self-published, mm. like, autobiographical yeah. zine yeah. type. Zine-like mm-hmm. Yeah, well. I was going to say, it's, yeah. it's very much got the, like, comics with an X... Uh, kind yeah. of vibe to it. Yeah, it reminds yep. me of like um, Steve uh, Dorf. Uh, did you like the art, Cal? <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I I, I lean towards Sean. It's it's not uh, not my favorite, but I also don't hate it. Um, but I also look. I, I knowing that it took him six years to put this together, like I, I feel like there are points where you can sort of see a certain type yes. of growth. Yeah, I mean the last issue is a lot more developed. Um, like if you compare like the first to the last, like I don't know, I think there's definitely a pretty good development of the style. It's, it's yeah. crazy because you're yeah. in this book, Kale. <laughs> <laughs> come on my nose isn't that big i guess my chin is that's fair I've, all right sorry Circle i was just gonna say to, to to pete's uh, to your point like um the more interesting paneling the more interesting sort of techniques come also like later on in the book which just means like he was getting better at communicating ideas and and you said earlier like the the framing of it yeah and even and even the transitions into uh the the the, yeah. the comics, uh, it, you know, is pure experimentation, which is mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, there's definitely good work here. So I picked this book specifically for the timing of this book club. So this is going to drop at the end of December uh, of the hardest year of our lives. Twenty. This the year of our Lord. This the year of Satan. Yeah. Twenty twenty. All hail Satan. Um, Don't put this on Satan. Yeah, he's the good guy. <laughs> yeah, he's. Do you ever guy. read uh, Paradise Lost? Satan's cool. Okay. <laughs> uh, Satan That's fucks. True. You heard. You heard it here on the Comics Pal. Satan fucks. Uh, so, the the big thing of this book the the big magical hicksville mystery is that creators earn their place in hicksville when they sort of have their opus that never really gets to be published and the thing that's so magical is that there are uh you know books from jack kirby from before he was jack kirby there are you know um uh, I don't know. There are all sorts Picasso, of right? uh, yeah, Picasso's Picasso, comics. Yes. Picasso's erotic you know, I Googled, comics. I Googled yeah. some of that. Yeah, stuff like it was that. kind of interesting. Like he, no, no, no. Uh, but like, would. like yeah, they're, like, they're not even like uh, erotic. Like some of them are like shit up. Like just 
the sketches of panels and then other times it's like um like a political cartoon it, it it's really interesting so you're saying you have some weird boners yeah. looking at it <laughs> almost exclusively a weird boner <laughs> <laughs> so what i wanted to ask was can can you guys think of creators and uh, cre- creators work that you would like to see in the Hicksville library had if you ever had the chance I mean, definitely Grant Morrison, right? So, do you mean like an unpublished work? Right. Yeah. So, I'm sure. Yeah, sort of, sort of their, you know, okay. sort of their, their thing that's pure them that either didn't get published or didn't, you know, for whatever reason, or you know, they just couldn't uh, make it work because of whatever company, or they just couldn't. So that's you know. that's an interesting question because I think nowadays, especially. If you're a successful enough creator, it is easier to get your story published. Whether that's, you know, whether that's actually with DC or Marvel or through an independent publisher or image is another thing entirely. But I feel like most successful creators nowadays are able to at least get their ideas published through, you know, one publisher or another. Um, I, it's, yeah, I, that, I've been sort of thinking about that all day. Do you think Bendis has stuff in Hicksville? Maybe just like, that's probably with him specifically. I imagine it's just because he hasn't gotten to it because he's got such a heavy workload. But another good, a good example is someone like Walt Simonson. Uh, he's well, oh. he he is an example of the story never ends. He had an ending to his Thor run; it never happened. So he, he mm-hmm. went to mm-hmm. uh, Dark Horse, I think, or Image to do Ragnarok. IDW. So, you know, he's someone that was able to get his his conclusion on his story to end. I imagine that the people that really suffered from not being able to publish everything they wanted to publish were older creators, uh, where there was no yeah. image that existed. And so I think that's really, like, I'm sure Neil Adams has some great stories that he was never able to tell, even though he was as big as they get for both DC and Marvel. Mm. Yeah, I was I was thinking. My mind immediately went to like a Will Eisner, who like obviously later in life he did his graphic novels and and whatnot. But um, being able to tell some of the earlier stuff, um, there's mention in his in his biography that like you know there were limits to what he was able to do within certain magazines and certain strips. Um, and then uh-huh. the other thought I had was Wally Wood. I love his art and like would would love to see what he would have done such like a a larger maybe format or or something my answer is alan moore um so we know about the twilight of the gods which was a a book that he he had wanted to do um in a, a dc event that never came together and then um i also wonder what would have happened had things not gone sour with DC um, or even how mm-hmm. different Watchmen might have been had he been allowed to use Charlton the uh, the Charleston characters, the Charlton characters instead mm-hmm. of having to create new characters. So I think that there's a lot there with Alan Moore. Yeah, that's where my head kind of is. The big two like major creators that weren't necessarily able to tell their versions of stories or, or ideas that they took to, you know, the editors or editor-in-chiefs at Marvel and DC that were rejected. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's what I was looking up before was uh, the Alan Moore thing, um, Twilight of the Superheroes. Twilight, yeah. If you want to read about it on uh, Wikipedia. Super interesting. 
Imagine if Swamp Thing had actually gotten a chance to meet Jesus. <laughs> what a story <laughs> that, that would have Bible been. Bible Swamp huh. Thing crossover was what we were always waiting for. Cal and Marco, just the uh, cross, crossroads of interest. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Marco and I can agree on something. I was, uh, at, today, legitimately, I, I happened to be in uh, uh, the the supermarket and there apparently are new uh fourth world hardcovers out put out by um i think it's panini press okay maybe somebody completely different but they do french editions of uh all of these uh uh these books and they're incredible um i have uh copies of uh jack kirby's uh the losers and commandi but they had newer copies of um uh fourth world and omac and i was just flipping through it and i was like shit dude yeah, he was going through like a real creative renaissance in his later career at dc what what else did he have like the like the stories he you know he uh went when he went to war like what stories could he have told had he not gone to war or something sure. like wild uh the first experience i and i think this is what brought my attention to this book was uh uh when the inhuman i think it was after infinity correct me if i'm wrong sean i know we've talked about this before matt fraction was on the inhumans book and he was supposed to do an event and he did the first issue but there were creative differences and so the Charles book went Soul. to yes. Charles Humanity, Soul. right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think that's exactly what it was. And I always wondered what that would hmm. be. And I think I think in a Tumblr post or something, he directly referenced, well, I guess this will be my entry into Hicks. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and uh, I think that's – I legitimately, I think that's what brought the book oh. to my attention was, was uh, uh, that aspect. That's funny. Uh Anything else? You guys have any other comments about the book? Hicksville quotes Jack Kirby as saying comics will break your heart. Hicksville broke my heart. Damn. Solid. So how would you recommend it? <laughs> I mean if you're if you're a cynic, <laughs> yeah, you know, and you hate, if you hate comics like he does, then go for it. <laughs> nah man, I but if I don't know. I, I maybe I, I took it the, like a different way, but like I, if you're if you're interested in what else the medium has to offer, obviously this is like a, a more a more like somber tone on the industry. But from a creative standpoint, there's like Pablo Picasso had comics. Like what the fuck? You know, like there are those kind of moments <laughs> yeah. for me where I, I appreciated those much more than anything negative i think the book would have had go read those yo I, I better they probably no this was good this is like a seven point yeah, five for me on no, pablo eight. picasso's comics guys. there was a lot guess what they are they're better <laughs> <laughs> they are they just are anyway <laughs> i i have thought about putting together a book club of like all of the the old comics that like have made comics popular like uh uh, uh Wizard McKay stuff and like um uh the rare bit fiend 
uh, stuff like that. The Yellow Kid, maybe just like a a book club that's like little sections of discussion about each one. If you be into that, let us know in the Discord or email us. Maybe that'd be cool. I'm into that. I yeah, that'd be fun. I I would recommend this book. Honestly, like I feel like I think it would really speak to like teenagers and people in their early twenties, um, people that are like in a formative period in their life. I think there's a lot that they can relate to, and um, maybe like like an English major or something. It's like a, there is. A, there's a, good, oh, yeah. there's a good degree of oh, like, yeah. comics history here, uh, at least an interpretation of comics history. Um, I, the book has an audience, and I, I liked it well enough. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I read it. Yeah, I would say I really echo what Phil's laying down there, where I think there are definitely specific types of readers I would recommend it to, and um, I liked it enough where I think I would recommend it to those readers. Hmm. Yeah, like I said, this uh, this book hit me different in 2020 than it did in 2014, and and I think Phil's uh, analysis of that is is spot on. I think uh, I think I was in a in that English major life transition spot where I think it worked really well, um, in a in a place where it doesn't now, um, and I think I think the the cynicism it invokes uh, that Sean has pointed out is is. Uh, valid and is probably what I'm feeling. Um, I think I would still recommend it. Um, I would hope so. You did. Well, I be- recommend it based on his 2014 experience. Good point. You know, he revisited it along with us. That's that's part of the book club experience. This is just a joke, guys. You want? You have to. Yeah. So just shut a up. Joke. So just shut a joke. up, Pete. Just a joke. Is that what you? <laughs> is that what you call it? <laughs> Uh, all right, so thanks for tuning in to this edition of the book club on what corn on what uh oh my good joke is gone. Oh, on oh now we've got problems with jokes. Is that what you call it? <laughs> uh, thanks for tuning in to this edition of the book club on what copacetic comics calls the watchman of small oh. press comics. <laughs> If you want to talk about the book, you can hit us up on our Discord. You can email us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at thecomicspals. Uh, we do a book club every month. The one we did before this was Swamp Thing. No. Well, technically, yes. Uh, no, no. King, still Kingdom, wrong. Kingdom Come. So don't you dare no. correct me. Technically, no, it was. It don't you dare correct me. It's <laughs> not the one before. It was a one before this, but it was. Yeah, it was a one That's before. That's Thank said. you very Kingdom much. Come. The one before this was uh, Kingdom Come, and um, Sandman. Uh, in, uh, no, the, the next one, Sandman. Empire. No, that's nope. all right. We already did Sandman. Oh yeah. Oh my god. So we got a whole year of uh, book club shit coming up that we apparently don't even know what it is. Uh, tune in next year to find Civil out. Civil War. Oh, okay. Oh, apparently we're going to have a Civil War. So uh, we'll see you next year and uh, we'll see who's north, who's south, and who survives. See, see you next, next year. Some might say I'm the Watchman of the Comics Pals. <laughs> <laughs>